listening to Unpacking Injustice with the Montana Innocence Project. This podcast tells the real stories behind wrongful and unjust convictions and illuminates the complex issues responsible for making our criminal justice system unjust. Today, we are bringing you a conversation with some of our fellow advocates in criminal legal reform in anticipation of an upcoming virtual event called 50 Years in a Wake Up in Montana. Let's begin unpacking. 50 Years and a Wake Up in Montana will take place on April 12th at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on Zoom. The Sentencing Project's Senior Director of Advocacy, Nicole D. Porter, Montana Women Votes Justice Initiative Director, Nicole Gomez, and Open Aid Alliance's Director of Communication and Advocacy, Laurel Hess, will discuss the devastating impact of mass incarceration across the country and on communities in Montana, and public safety and crime prevention strategies that would combat future harm. In this episode, we are joined by Nicole D. Porter and Nicole Gomez for a look at what the event will entail and some of the legislative issues going on right now that the event will dive into further. Take a listen. Could you both introduce yourself and your roles as advocates in the criminal legal reform space? So Nicole Porter, Senior Director of Advocacy with the Sentencing Project, which is a group headquartered in Washington, D.C. I'm Nicole Gomez, the Justice Initiative Director with Montana Women Vote. Um, we are a nonprofit based in Missoula, but we operate statewide and we advocate on behalf of low-income folks, um, LGBTQ, two-spirit and non-binary folks, and incarcerated, currently incarcerated and formerly incarcerated people. Thank you. Um, Nicole Porter, we'll start with you asking some questions about um, the Sentencing Project's recent campaign and then kind of jumping into Nicole Gomez talking about the local connections. So could you talk about the campaign titled 50 Years and a Wake Up Ending the Mass Incarceration Crisis in America? Kind of tell us what the campaign entails and some of the highlights you hope people will, will learn. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Randy, for inviting me on behalf of the Sentencing Project to share about our 50 years in the Wake Up campaign. So 2023 is the 50th year of mass incarceration. 1973 was the first year that the nation's prison rate started to surge and the prison population has grown 500% since that time. So if you look at a graph, a bar graph of uh, prison population rates by year, dating back to the early 1900s, um, 1973 would be would stand out because it's the first year, but because before 1973, the prison population was fairly stable. It fluctuated a bit. But in 1973, um, the prison population started to go up. Um, and since then, has increased substantially 500% over the last 50 years and continues to position the United States as an outlier because um, we far exceed, our incarceration levels far exceed that of other Western industrialized nations. So we want to call attention to that. At the Sentencing Project this year, we're partnering with national partners and state and local partners um, 
in a narrative campaign and a public education campaign wanting to mark this year and raise awareness around the fact that that the United States is 50 years into the mass incarceration era and that we hope that folks take that this anniversary seriously and you know really work together to collaborate on steps to scale back the nation's incarceration rate and prioritize resources that meet the goal around public safety because it is important to be addressing public safety, to be addressing violent crime. We, we're talking, I don't know exactly when this will air, but we're talking at a time when there's been another national um, gun uh, violence tragedy. It is it is outrageous, the level of violence that happens in this country. And it's clear that the scale of incarceration is not a deterrent to that. So we want to work with folks at the national level and at the state level to prioritize resources that reduce violence, that strengthen public safety, but do so in a way that doesn't disappear people to human warehouses and severely impact communities because of the disappearance of residents and um, supports resources in a way that can actually um, build up public safety as opposed to just disappear the problem behind prisons. So as someone who um, works in relation to this issue and has been for a while, what is the number one thing that you wish all people knew about mass incarceration? Well, the United States did have an increase in violent crime in the 70s, but so did other Western countries like Germany and Finland. They did not respond in the way that we did with lengthening um, in terms of confinement, increasing the likelihood that people would go to prison and then expanding their prison population, expanding the number of prisons within their country, they responded with expansions in social welfare. You know, the United States is often thought about as sort of this individualized, organized individually as opposed to collectively. And so we have a weak social welfare state, but we actually do have a pretty strong social welfare state. It's just funded and it was expanded over the last 50 years through the carceral state. So we expanded prisons, the federal government distributed state and local grants to support and beef up policing and beef up um, carceral policies, rather than expanding social welfare in Western democracies like Germany and Finland that expanded access to early childhood education that guarantee jobs programs for at-risk, well, for individuals, for residents most at risk of coming into law enforcement, for expanding access to social services, including guaranteed quality housing, guaranteed health care for people dealing with uh, substance use disorders, and a range of other factors that might lead to contact with the criminal legal system. Those countries that also experienced an increase in violent crime responded differently than the United States states did. So what I would like people to know is that there are choices that policymakers made over the last 50 years, and they could make other policy choices over the next 50 years if they were meaningfully wanting to address the scale of decarceration and understand the impact of the scale of incarceration on communities and on residents. How can people get involved with this campaign? Well, they can visit us online at sentencingproject.org where we have 
great deal of information on many of our research priorities and advocacy priorities, but we also have specific information on the 50 Year in a Wake Up campaign, including infographics and um, summary information on the scale of incarceration over the last 50 years. They can reach out to me. My contact information is on the website. It's just the first initial of my name, my last name at Sentencing Project. So in Porter at sentencingproject.org. And we're having conversations like this one. I'm so, um, you know, honored and inspired to be in conversation with you all and to also plan to be in conversation with you all in a couple of weeks in Montana. So I am, you know, very eager to continue the dialogue even after our planned meetings over the next couple of weeks and figure out and support next steps in Montana around addressing 50 years in a wake up in Montana specifically and what priorities and strategies that you all are developing and wanting to move forward in order to address the scale of incarceration in Montana. Thank you. And I will be sure to link all of that information that you just gave in the um, episode description. That way people can get in contact with you if they have ideas or want to get involved. Um, so Nicole, Gomez, could you talk about why people in Montana should care about mass incarceration? Yes. Um, so people in Montana should care because, first of all, Montana has one of the highest incarceration rates in the country. We're actually ranked 14th in the country, just below Florida. Um, and folks in Montana that are incarcerated come from across the state, although there are five specific counties that contribute to more than 67% of the state's prison population even though they have less than half of the state's population. And within those counties, incarcerated folks tend to come from the poorest communities and from communities of color. Incarcerated folks in Montana, both adults and youth, are disproportionately Native, Black, and Latino compared to the general population and come from low-income backgrounds and communities. So this is really impacting some of our most vulnerable folks. And also because mass incarceration in Montana comes with significant costs. Um, there are enormous costs on taxpayers for maintaining the facilities to house people uh, and to maintain them under supervision, as well as costs to society because people come out of jail or prison and have a much greater difficulty finding stable employment, keeping stable employment, finding stable housing. And then also when they are incarcerated, they are often cut off from their communities and their, and their families, which has a lot of costs to the fabric of the community. Another really important cost to think about in terms of mass incarceration is trauma. Children who children who have an incarcerated parent experience a significant amount of trauma. And also trauma is experienced by the folks who are ex experiencing the, incar the incarceration. And so all of that trauma has ripple effects on a community, um, as well as keeping in mind that folks who are incarcerated have often experienced trauma well before they ever committed the offense for which they've been incarcerated. Um, and another important cost to consider is that this is actually costing us in terms of the decisions that policymakers are making. Montana, we're about uh, we're about a third of the way through the session, maybe a little bit further. And Montana has had a two point five or has a two point five billion dollar budget surplus that legislators could send to supporting more affordable childcare across the state providing housing, mental health services, behavioral health ser services, investing in the Office of the Public Defender, 
and, and really investing in an infrastructure and community services that support working people and keeping our community safe, all of those choices that Nicole Porter was just referencing um, as far as creating safe societies and a, and a strong social safety net. But instead, this legislature is choosing to give huge tax refunds to the wealthiest Montanans, um, sending $8 million for a contract with a for-profit prison in Arizona to send incarcerated Montanans. So they're so the decisions that this legislature is making are actively costing taxpayers by investing our money in ways that won't serve us or create a safer society for us. There are a lot of other big concerns why, why Montanans should care about mass incarceration. First of all, our um, our Office of the Public Defender is, is deeply underfunded and understaffed. Since 2019, the Office of the Public Defender has been short at least 63 public defenders to keep up with its caseload and, and um, manage case limits. Um, the governor in this session and the executive budget has requested 20 new full-time public defenders to keep up with their caseload and provide effective legal counsel to poor folks. Um, but this legislature is only granting funding for five Um and there have been a number of amendments to try to fully fund the Office of the Public Defender in Montana, and they keep getting shot down. So um, in thinking about mass incarceration's costs on our society, our Office of the Public Defender is, is severely understaffed and undersupported. And so that, that's a lot of low-income people who are not receiving legal counsel. Um, and and that um, that's really something that needs to be addressed that we really need to be worried about, particularly because in this session, which I'm going to get to in a minute, but there's also over 30 bills that are moving through the legislature that will increase sentencing and um, and just harsher penalties across the board and will increase not only the caseload for the public defender, Office of the Public Defender, but also um, lead to a lot more folks facing jail and prison time. Um, and another reason for Montanans to be concerned is jail jails and prison overcrowding. Prisons and jails in Montana have been um, at or over capacity for a while. That's a problem because especially there are a number of people that are being held who are eligible for parole, but they aren't being moved out of the prisons because there aren't enough beds in the pre-release centers. Um, and so instead of directing funding to expanding capacity at pre-releases or reducing penalties and sentencing for nonviolent crimes, we're really moving in the opposite direction. And we also have our jails are also overcrowded. Um, in the last 23 years, the number of people who are held pre-trial in jails who haven't had a trial yet and so are innocent according to the law has really skyrocketed. So one of the ways that this is manifesting in a very problematic way in Montana is that instead of reducing penalties or uh, directing funding to create more capacity in pre-release centers or um, working on pre-trial liberty and bail reform policies or reducing penalties across the board, one of the things that this legislature is deciding to do um, to address the problem of overcrowding is, is funding um, a new contract between the Department of Corrections and CoreCivic, which is a for-profit prison uh, company, in order to send up to 100 Montanans to be incarcerated in a for-profit prison in Arizona uh, with this corporation that has had a history of human rights abuses. So these are all things that we should really be concerned about as Montanans as we move um, increasingly in the direction of more incarceration, particularly with this session. So you just touched on some efforts at the legislature that are 
affecting mass incarceration in Montana. But as the session is coming to an end, are there any other efforts going on that you want to make people aware of that are perpetuating mass incarceration? Yes, there are a lot that are very concerning. Um, I, that, as I said, there are at least 30 bills that are making their way through the legislature to that will increase penalties, increase sentencing, or create new felony offenses, particularly for nonviolent crimes that are really concerning. There's a very upsetting effort to roll back justice reinvestment reforms from 2017 that were designed after years of research to reduce jail and prison overcrowding by reducing penalties for nonviolent offenses like property theft and disorderly conduct. Um, these reforms also included uh, an interventions and incentives grid that was created to professionalize the parole board and standardize their process for managing people under supervision and making sure that they were exhausting every possible option in their approach before revoking folks' supervision and sending them back. So there is a uh, an effort to eliminate or to reverse a lot of these reforms um, that will mean that a lot more people will be sent sent to prison on compliance violations or will sent be sent to prison for nonviolent crimes like low-level property theft or disorderly conduct or other crimes that really have a lot more to do with mental illness or substance use or um, or poverty. And in, when we're seeing this, these, um, these bills as they move through, there is just a lot of rhetoric on tough on crime. We're hearing a lot of, you know, if we don't sweat the small stuff, we're going to be sweating the big stuff. We've got to teach these people a lesson. And you're really seeing that across the board. So one of, so, um, yeah, those efforts to roll back the 2017 justice reforms are really, really concerning. Um, we're also seeing bill um, a bill that would uh, very disturbingly eliminate people's access to a public defender uh, if they're charged with misdemeanors, as long as the prosecutor agrees to not pursue incarceration, um, which the argument for this bill is that the Office of the Public Defender is overworked and understaffed. Um, but instead of actually just adequately funding the Office of the Public Defender, the approach that's being argued is to just remove people's access to a public defender unless they are being um, or possibly going to see um, incarceration. So that one's really concerning. Montana Women Vote is actively opposing that bill. Um, there's also this focus on criminalization and tough on crime and harsher sentencing is also uh, reaching to the juvenile justice system. Um, HB 614 would revise the Youth Act, which would um, eliminate a lot of, of safeguards and would try would move a lot of kids' trials to district court and try them under the adult criminal legal system. Um, and same thing, we're seeing a lot of rhetoric around um, teaching people a lesson and these crazies and some kids will learn. So we're seeing a lot of misinformation around um, deterrence and, um, you know, valuing punishment and retribution over even the concept of rehabilitation. Um, and on a also a lot of arguments for these bills are incre increases in violent crime as justification, the way that Nicole Porter referenced um, as happened in the 70s. So again, same thing, instead of looking at all the other ways that we could be investing funds to create a safer society in which folks have the, their basic necessities met, um, we're seeing this argument for increasing penalties and harsher sentences uh, as a as an answer to increases in violent crime. Um, we're also seeing mandatory minimums being um, proposed, including for trace amounts of fentanyl um, and a bill that would have created a new enhanced penalty 
uh, for possessing a weapon, for simply possessing a weapon while selling drugs. Fortunately, that bill was defeated. So yeah, across the board, just a lot of rhetoric around um, around tough on crime policies and a number of bills that will be increasing felony offenses. How can someone get involved with decarceration efforts on the state and local levels? There are a lot of different ways. I mean, as we as we've said, the session is coming to an end. It's not too late to get involved on the state level. You can sign up at Montana Women Vote to follow our action alerts. We send out weekly action alerts during the session um, on bills that we're following, both good and bad bills. You can also sign up for action alerts from partner organizations like the Montana Innocence Project, the ACLU of Montana, the Montana Budget and Policy Center. So you can follow the bills that are moving through the session. Come to a phone bank, pressure your legislators, contact your legislators uh, and share your thoughts with them. Come to one of Montana Women Votes lobby days in the Capitol and also sign up to testify and share your story, especially personal stories by folks who've been impacted by the criminal legal system are the most powerful and are the voices that legislators need to hear when they're making these decisions. Um, we also really need to change the perspectives of the people who are making our laws. We need to make sure that people are uh, people uh, in the halls of of the Capitol and Helena understand the costs of mass incarceration the way that we do, and are invested and committed to funding services that will that will make our society safer. So part of part of that is doing voter outreach and education and registration efforts. Montana Women Vote will be registering voters across the state, including in offices of probation and parole and pre-release centers, really trying to get folks who have been impacted by the criminal legal system registered to vote, aware that they have the right to vote in Montana as soon as they've completed their sentences in a secure facility, and um, and have a vest and people who have a vested interest in the policies re related to criminal legal reform. As far as on the local level. Pay attention to what's happening, um, local decisions in your in your towns, in your municipalities, decisions around investing in crisis intervention or crisis response teams, especially those that don't include law enforcement, um, or decisions to fund or run pretrial diversion programs or pretrial supervision programs instead of just sending folks to jail, such as one that is run in Missoula County, supporting harm reduction programs that provide people with Narcan. Pay attention to who's running for office, uh, who's advocating for investments in housing and public services and mental health and substance use. And then also consider running for local office yourself, especially for city council. There are a number of seats on city council that are opening up in, 2000, in 2024, I believe, in Missoula. Um, so following those, run, run for um, the coroner's office and a number of different positions on the local level that can that mean that you can help impact decisions that are made towards decarceration. Montana Women Vote and the Sentencing Project will be joined by Open Aid Alliance in a few weeks for an event. Could y'all talk about what the event will entail? Sure. Well, it it's a part of the Sentencing Project's effort to bring this conversation around the country this year. So we're going to have a discussion on 50 years and a wake up in Montana. And I will share um, a national overview of the mass incarceration uh, crisis that has plagued the United States for the past 50 years. And then I, I look forward to having a longer conversation like what we've had today in terms of how this crisis is impacting the good folks in Montana and the advocacy that Nicole and Laurel, who will be in conversation with, 
are anchoring in Montana in ways that folks in the community can get involved. How can people attend? People can attend. It'll be a virtual event. So people can attend by registering at the link in the flyer that that we've circulated and we'll be circulating by email. And also the link to register for the virtual event will be available on Montana Women Votes website and on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Is there anything else either of you would like to share? I just want to share that I'm really encouraged by the conversation that we're going to have in Montana and that this is a part of a national discussion. So mass incarceration has plagued this country and it's plagued every state, as Nicole Gomez highlighted the impact in Montana. So I really am appreciative of Montana Women Vote, the Montana Innocence Project and um, the Open Aid Alliance for having this conversation and for inviting the Sentencing Project to join you all virtually to discuss these developments. And I think I would just like to add that so much of this work is in countering misinformation and misperceptions about people who've committed crimes and the reasons for those crimes. And I think around um, encountering this, this dialogue about punishment and retribution and countering it with rehabilitation and examining what does what um, safe societies look like. And so, so much of that, I think I just uh, want to say that I encourage people to continue to, to reach out and to do their research and also really to seek out the voices of people who have been impacted by the criminal legal system and get to know them. And, and um, I think that anytime that you can have a conversation or seek out something that's been written or art that's been created by a person who has been incarcerated or been impacted by the system. It's super important. I think one big thing that we really have to, to counter is the dehumanization of people who have been locked away. And, um, and I think the best way to do that is by seeking out the voices of people who've been impacted. Thank you both so much. Um, we really look forward to hearing the longer version of this conversation at your event. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. 50 Years and a Wake Up in Montana will take place on April 12th at 5 p.m. See the episode description for more information and to register for the event and to learn more about the Sentencing Project's ongoing campaign. Justice is a Montana Innocence Project podcast. The artwork was created by Rob Truax, and the music was composed by Corey Fay. To learn more about the Montana Innocence Project, visit our website, mtinnocenceproject.org, or follow us on social media at Big Sky Innocence. Thank you for unpacking injustice with the Montana Innocence Project.